Success Formula with me, Lucy Parsons. Welcome to today's show. Today I'm re-releasing my 10th ever podcast episode, which was called The Ultimate Guide to the Academic Year. And um, it's a special guide to what to expect at different parts of the school year. Now, I'm re-releasing it because it's so useful and so important. Um, And also because I've developed this resource um, for members of the Extraordinaries Club by creating four sets of materials for students in years 10, 11, 12 and 13 and they're called what to expect in year 10, what to expect in year 11 and so on like that. And these materials are really designed to take what's in this podcast a step further by giving students details about key dates for each year group with space in the download that goes with each of the videos to fill in the important information you can so you can find it out from your children's school. I've included common mistakes people make in this year group and how to avoid them. I've answered common questions that people ask me from each of the year groups and I've also put in what will be different from your previous school year. And I've actually included these what to expect videos in the club roadmap, which shows you how to move through all the resources in the Extraordinaries Club as the second thing that people do, because it is literally so important to have that bird's eye view of what is going to happen at what point during the academic year for your child, because it enables you to plan family life in a way that is sympathetic to the demands that are going to be made on them by school. So I'd love you to listen to this episode and see what you think. And if you think you could do with a bit more detail, then you can join the Extraordinaries Club at theextraordinariesclub.com if you just want to go a bit further and to have a bit more support with this kind of thing. So the other thing I should say before you dig in is that I cannot possibly give you a detailed account of what is happening in your child's school. You know, every school is different. Every school does things slightly differently. And now we do have some schools that have completely moved away from the kind of traditional calendar based around Christian religious festivals and the agricultural year. Um, So you will have to look at the details that your school is providing. The thing that will happen at the same time every year is when GCSE and A-level exams are because they all happen at the same time across the country. So do bear that in mind when you're listening and you will have to find out the specifics. But this podcast episode is a really useful introduction into the general shape of the academic year. I'll hand you over to the original podcast now. Enjoy listening. So term one starts in September and goes through until October half term. And term one is all about settling into a new routine and setting up systems and processes that will serve your child for the rest of the school year. So this is the time to really be thinking about time management. So how are they going to structure their independent study time outside of school? 
and so they're getting enough homework done and enough extra reading and revision and all that kind of thing done outside of school hours but also processes like planning processes like do they have a planner or do they use their smartphone to plan their time and remember appointments and deadlines and all that kind of thing as well as good habits so implementing good habits that are going to support their achievement throughout the school year the thing that will really be really helpful at this time of year is making your shop sure it's may sorry i stumbled over that it's making sure that your child has clarity about why they're studying and what their studies are leading towards. So particularly at GCSE, there can be a disconnect between the subjects your child is having to study in the broad programme of education that everyone has to do at this level and actually what they want to do in the future. So I'll give you an example. One of my coaching clients, he's a GCSE student and he loves subjects like maths and physics and electronics and he has a really keen interest in computer coding. However, he's also studying a language which he really, really struggles with, um, both in terms of like his natural kind of aptitude for it and his motivation to do well in the subject. However, it's important for him to understand and if your child is in a similar situation where they have a set of subjects which they're really strong in and really interested in and then some subjects which um, are less interesting to them and they have less natural aptitude for then um, actually universities particularly at GCSE level are looking for a broad general standard across all the subjects that your child is studying and I've seen in recent years rejections from universities simply because there is a kind of a C or a D or even a B in one single subject. I'm particularly thinking about Oxbridge there but as academic attainment increases and increases and increases it becomes even more important that there isn't that one week subject or maybe two week subjects that are letting down the general trend or the general standard that your child is achieving. So it's really important that they understand what universities will be looking for or if what employers will be looking for if they're more likely to be going straight into the working world from school. You know, what, what kind of general standard that they are looking for and therefore what grades they are hoping to attain in all the subjects that they're studying across the board. So here's some action steps for what everyone should be doing in term one. So the first thing is to clarify motivation, what your child's specific motivation is for studying at this particular level, whether that's GCSE level in year 10 or year 11 or A levels in year 12 or year 13. And there's some really helpful exercises for doing, for going through uh, well, understanding what their motivation is in chapter one of my book, The Ten Step Guide to Acing Every Exam You Ever Take, um, which you can get on Amazon. Or if the easiest thing to do is come to my website, the show notes for this episode, which is lifemoreextraordinary.com forward slash 10. That's where you'll find the show notes. And um, there's links throughout the show notes to the book there. OK, so that's action step one, clarifying their motivation. Action step two for term one is starting to put in place systems and processes that will support their studies. So this is things like having a consistent organisation system, such as a planner, 
or setting intentions about how much time they will set aside for studying and establishing some good habits um, at this stage. So it's really all about systems and routines and you can get more info, really detailed information about how to do all of that kind of thing in chapter, chapters four, five and six of my book, The 10 Step Guide to Acing Every Exam You Ever Take. Okay, so that's all about term one. Moving on to October half term. In the context of the entire school year, apart from the summer holiday, I think that October half term is the very best time to have a family holiday. So if you're looking at the school year and thinking about when you'd like to book a holiday, and maybe trying to book outside of the peak season of the summer holiday, October half time half term is the time which will have the least negative impact on your child's education. So I highly recommend looking that as a time to go abroad or even stay in the UK for your child's holidays. Um, so in order to really enjoy this half term, students should make sure that they're fully on top of all their schoolwork and homework by the time this half term starts and then they can basically take the whole week off and really enjoy it and make the most of it. Um, so th the reason why I'm saying this is because this is well before revision for any kind of exams will really need to take place. There might be kind of small tests and things taking place at this point in, in the school year, which your child will want to revise for, but there won't be mocks, there won't be any kind of external exams at this point in time. So going away and taking a proper holiday at this time of year will have the least negative impact on your child's education. Okay, term two, which starts kind of end of October, beginning of November and runs through until the Christmas holidays. In this term, your son or daughter should really be into the swing of things for the academic year. They should have established their routines and work schedules. They should have formed good relationships with their teachers and just be getting their head down and getting on with the work. But of course, Christmas happens in December and all the Christmas activities that happen in schools and outside of schools can be quite disruptive to work routines and habits. And it's really worth just being very aware of that at this point in time, because the routines and habits, good study habits that your son or daughter has put into place through the um, term one and then into term two, they can be at risk in this term. And it's just being aware that, that that is a risk and that they should kind of put steps in place to kind of mitigate that risk. So, for example, if they have a Christmas concert one week or one evening of the week, when are they going to replace the study time that they've missed because they were doing that Christmas concert? And really being very, very mindful about that. You know, are you making decisions about catching up during the Christmas holidays or are you going to do it at the weekend? Basically, how are you going to cope with all that kind of thing? So if your son or daughter has mocks after the Christmas holidays, they should also be starting to think about revision during December. And this can be really difficult and it's really tricky, I think. A lot of schools schedule mock exams, particularly for GCSEs and A-levels for year 11 and year 13, 
in that term immediately after the Christmas holidays. And it can make December and all the Christmassy stuff and the Christmas holiday quite tricky for families because um, their young people should be focusing on revision at, at those times when there's all this other distracting and fun stuff going on. So just be really, really mindful of that. Some schools might think ahead and think they don't want to be ruining families' Christmas holidays by holding mocks in January. So they might also hold mocks in this term, particularly for year 11s who are doing their GCSEs. So you will have to check with your child's school on their specific calendar. But I found that the majority of schools do hold mocks after the Christmas holidays. So during December, students in year 11 and year 13 will be having to start think, think about their revision. Okay, so action steps for term two. Number one is to consistently use the routines and goodies, good study habits established in term one, which you, you will read more and learn about more in chapters four, five and six of my book. And during December, start revision if your child has mocks after, straight after the Christmas holidays. Okay, so we're moving on to the Christmas holiday now. Of course, as a family, you'll want to enjoy the festive season together. However, if your child has mocks in January or February, then they will need to be using the freedom of the holiday to do some concentrated revision for each of their subjects. So the opportunities for fully independent study where your young people set their own timetable for study and follow their own natural rhythms of whether they're a lark or an owl or whether you know they work best in the mornings and the evenings and need time off in the afternoon there's actually very limited opportunities to have this freedom for study during the school year and the christmas holiday is probably the first time when they'll start experimenting with this kind of thing and particularly if they do have mocks in the term that comes up after the Christmas holidays. So the action steps for the Christmas holiday are number one, to revise for mocks if you have them after Christmas. Number two, work on any homework or coursework that has been set that teachers would like you to get done before the new term starts. And number three um, is to eat lots of mince pies. <laughs> I love mince pies and um, love December and Christmas because of the number of mince pies that are available. OK, that's just a silly one. <laughs> term number three, that's January and February. So for year 11s and year 13s, there will be a huge focus on mocks during this term. For students in year 10 and year 12, they should continue to work hard through this term using their established routines and habits. So mocks and the feedback students get as a result of taking the mocks are a great way to reignite good intentions, as well as to shine a light on the areas where students really need to focus in the coming months basically the danger areas, so their weaknesses, and mocks are a great way to highlight those weaknesses and give you a way of prioritising and focusing on the areas you need to revise more in depth in the coming months. It's also worth saying at this point in time that I always found this term in January and February the hardest of the academic year to get through and I know I'm not alone in saying that I can remember when I was a teacher in the classroom lots and lots of teachers used to struggle with this and you know the energy 
of the students and the teachers used to get quite low. I think it's because of the dark mornings and the dark evenings and no longer having Christmas to look forward to, but also the kind of imperative of the exams still being four or five months away. It's really, really tough to keep the motivation and energy levels up at this time of year. I've never found a solution to this kind of lull that you get at this time of year. But I think just being aware of it is really helpful and knowing that it's kind of normal and that it will get easier as the mornings and the evenings get lighter and exams get closer and therefore, you know, it's more urgent to be focusing on studies. So if that is experienced in your household, just know that you're not alone and that you will kind of get your mojo back <laughs> as um, things as time moves on, basically. So action steps for term three. Number one, revise for and take mock exams if that's applicable to you. Then number two, get detailed feedback on performance in mocks and use it to create a targeted revision strategy going forward. So I think the reason that mocks is so helpful is that it, like I've already said before, it shines a light on where you need to focus that attention. So make sure that your, your son or daughter, or if you're a student and you're listening, you get that really, really detailed feedback on your mock exam papers and really understand what you did well and so what you should repeat in future and what you weren't doing quite so well and how you can improve on that going forwards and that can really inform the revision strategies that you use in the coming weeks and months. And then number three, the third action step for term three is to keep focused on the work routines and good habits already established or to re-establish them if they've slipped a bit over the Christmas holidays and during the upheaval of Christmas in December. Okay, the next thing is February half term. Now February half term is the time when revision for exams should really begin in earnest. It may seem like May or June are still a very long way away. However, now that most schools offer very, very limited exam leave to their students, there is very little time in the school year when students can set their own schedule for revision and really explore the way they work independently. So I think February half term should really be used for focusing on those areas highlighted during mocks as being a weakness and really zoning in on those and almost planning out the revision strategy for the term to come um which you know revision starts in february half term but it continues throughout the weeks and months up until exams are finished so action steps for february half term are to during this half term it would be a great idea to focus on the areas of weakness identified during mock exams but students, this is actually step number two, students should also relax and take a break to a certain extent as the pressure, particularly for students in exam years, is only going to increase from this point forwards. And it's just so important to kind of um, take that break so that they don't burn out as they get towards exams. Because a lot of students do get really, really tired and really burnt out and they even start getting ill during exam season because they've pushed themselves too hard in the run up to exam season. So use February half term for revision, but don't crack the whip, kind of <laughs> get started, but do it in a kind of measured and quite a restful way. I do have a blog post all about 
what students should be doing in February half term to really boost their grades. And that's linked to in the show notes, um, which you'll find at livemoreextraordinary.com forward slash 11. Oh, not 11, sorry, 10. Um, but this post is called 11 things why students do at half term to boost their grades. So you can have a look at that. And there's lots of good information in there. And that's been very popular on Twitter. It's been retweeted lots and lots and lots of times. Okay, term number four, this runs from after the February half term until the Easter holidays, whenever Easter happens to fall in the particular year that you're listening to this. And just for your information, if you're listening after this has been published, it was published in um, August 2017. So term four, this is when the academic year starts getting really serious. Students in exam years should be doing some revision every single day from this point forwards. Their priority should still be the homework set in class, as courses will still be being taught at this point in time. But revision must also be part of every student's study time if they're serious about getting decent grades. So courses are generally stopped being taught around Easter time. If teachers have paced it well, they'll probably finish either a week before or a week after the Easter holidays. Um, so that new content that is being delivered in class and the homework that supports that should be the priority still at this point in time. But students should also be fitting a minimal amount of home. Uh, revision in every single day just so that they're kind of building that momentum towards revision season so that they're not starting from a standing start during the Easter holidays. So action steps for term four are to firstly prioritise homework and secondly to do some revision every day. And it can only be a tiny amount. And I've got a blog post called the five minute revision challenge, which you can Google and that will come up, um, I think, top of Google search if you Google the five minute revision challenge or it's linked to in the show notes that are at livemoreextraordinary.com forward slash 10. Um, so even if it is only five minutes of revision a day, doing things like learning formulae, revising quotes in English, I've got a good post on that as well about how to revise quotes for your closed book English exam, which you can Google, and I think that comes up top of Google search. Um, all those kind of things, they're really helpful things to be doing because that's the kind of stuff that kind of needs to be committed to long-term memory. And a small amount of revision on a consistent basis makes a really, really big difference. Okay, now we've got to the Easter holidays. And as most schools have um, taken away exam leave in preparation for exams. They usually give exam leave while students are actually taking exams, but they don't have a week or, a week or so before the exams um, of independent study time to prepare for the exams. The Easter holidays are the longest concentrated stretch of time in which students can prepare for the exams to come. So this is the time when they can set their own priorities based on the weaknesses that they've identified in their knowledge and understanding. And if you're not sure how to identify weaknesses, um, you should have a look at chapter eight of my book, The Ten Step Guide to Acing Every Exam You Ever Take, which is linked to from the show notes. 
or you can down, download an extract of um, chapter eight for free. And um, I give this chapter away for free so people can just sample what the book is like. And you can download that from my website. Just go to livemoreextraordinary.com forward slash free dash chapter. Or you can just click on the link in the show notes um, in the Easter holiday section. Um, to download that specific chapter and that will help you um, with a system to identify your strengths and weaknesses at, so that you know where to focus your revision because you can't afford to have weaknesses when you walk into the exam hall. During these two weeks it's very important to set a sustainable study routine so during the Easter holidays, it's common for highly motivated students to set a very, very high work rate in the first few days. And what happens is that they tend to end up exhausted and then beating themselves up because they're not able to maintain that work rate. And But then for less motivated students, they probably don't make a start or they're not doing enough. So my advice to everyone, whether they're highly motivated or really unmotivated, is, set, is to set a consistent study routine, which seems realistic to them. So for a highly motivated student, that might be six hours a day, well spread out across the day between the morning, afternoon and the evening. For a really unmotivated student, you might be looking at an hour and a half to three hours in a day but it's something that is achievable for them to do and that they are able to sustain over the length of the Easter holiday because if they can't it most important thing I always say about preparing for exams is to be consistent and so it's much better to do an hour and a half every day of the Easter holidays than 10 hours a day for the last two days of the Easter holidays because you're going to get much more productive work, much more effective work done if you work for a shorter amount of time each day on a consistent basis than just kind of cramming right at the end. If you'd like more info on what to do in the Easter holidays and how to put the Easter holidays to best use, um, I've got a blog post on that as well and um, that's linked to in the show notes. So action steps for the Easter holidays. Number one is to have a clear focus on independent revision. So it's all about revision by this point in time. Number two is to complete any homework tasks set by school. Hopefully homework tasks based on the continuing teaching of the courses is re are really diminishing by this point in time. But if there are any homework tasks, then you need to make sure that they're done. Number three is start working on past papers in earnest using the, re the revision power hour technique, which I have linked to in the show notes as well. And it's hugely popular. It's, I think, one of my most popular blog posts of all time. It's been shared more than any other. Um, and it makes a massive difference to um, students and their achievement in exams. Number four is set a sustainable and consistent work routine so students don't burn themselves out or turn themselves off the revision process. So this is really, really important. We don't want burnout and we don't want demotivated students because they're trying to do more than their kind of motivation enables them to do, if that makes sense. And then number five Take some time out to rest and increase energy levels for the exam period to, 
to come. So every day there should be something that your son or daughter enjoys during Easter holidays. Whether that's just going out for a run or to the gym for an hour or watching a movie when to reward themselves at the end of the day. You know, there should be some aspect of real life and maintaining their interests and their you know, their personality, really, the kind of things that they like to do so that they don't get burnt out and they don't get exhausted and they remain themselves. I think a really common thing during exam periods and working really, really hard is that you almost forget who you are because you're not doing any of the things that you're interested in outside school work. So just kind of bear that in mind during the Easter holidays. So we're on to term five now, which starts in April and continues through until the May half term. So during this term, students will start to sit written exams. Some oral and practical exams may have taken place before the Easter holiday, but this is when written exams start. And there's usually a seven or eight week period over which um, written exams take place with the May half term stuck there in the middle. GCSE exams will usually start slightly earlier than A-level exams. So this term is all about revision and also prioritising what to revise based on which exams are when. So it's heads down time, big style. <laughs> um, so um, when I say prioritise what to revise based on which exams are when, so for example, you might have all your English exams after the May half term. So you maybe want to leave it till May half term to do the bulk of your English revision. That doesn't mean you shouldn't be doing any now, but it's just about staggering the revision so that you're focusing on the right subjects in the right order so that you're fully prepared for each exam as they come along. So the action steps for term five are, number one, revise. Number two, revise. Number three, Revise. Number four, I think you get it by now, is to revise. So it is just about revision and doing the kind of revision activities that work for you and um, are going to see you fully, pre fully prepared for the exams coming up. And you can learn more about how to plan revision and how to keep going with it in steps eight and nine of my book, The Ten Step Guide to Acing Every Exam You Ever Take. And then Step 10 shows you how to prepare for exams in the last few days for the exam. So how to prepare in the week before an exam, how to prepare, prepare in the last 24 hours, all that kind of thing, and how to stay strong and all that kind of stuff. OK, now we're on to May half term. And by this time, students will have taken some written exams and there may be even some subjects which they have finished so they can forget about them maybe forever. <laughs> so this term, it, this um, half term is very much like the Easter holidays. Students will undoubtedly be getting both very tired and very bored of revision by this point in time. Therefore, at the beginning of the week, it is a good idea to take one or two whole days off. So they just kind of replenish and rejuvenate all that energy that has gone into exams. And exams are exhausting. They're really focused. They take, you know, you get a huge release of adrenaline, which always makes you tired afterwards. And so you, everyone should be expecting for your son or daughter to be tired, particularly in those first couple of days of the May half term and to make allowances for that. 
After that, they need to get back to the revision so that they can finish exam season strong. They will have learned a lot about how they work independently during the Easter holidays. So use those learnings now to have a really successful week of revision. So it's back to independent revision and, you know, it's supporting your child to work in the way that works best for them. So think back to what worked in the Easter holidays, even February half term and the Christmas holidays, and make sure you're doing the things that work and ditching the things that didn't at this point in time, because this is kind of your last chance to do really high quality revision. So the action steps for May half term are to firstly take one or two whole days off to properly relax, rest and recuperate from the exams that have already been taken. And number two, to revise much as you did during the Easter holidays. OK, we're on to term six now, which is the final term of the school year and happens in June and July. So this term for years 11 and 13 will be about finishing their formal external examinations. Students in year 10 may well have internal exams to assess their progress at this point in the year and students in year 12 may be taking AS exams. So um, years 11 and 13, their focus will be completely on exams, but years 10 and 12 might have some exams in there, depending on how your child's school manages it and whether year 12s are dropping a subject um, at the end of year 12 and taking an AS exam to kind of get a grade for that subject for that year. For students in year 12, once they've taken any AS exams, their retention should be focused on UCAS personal statements. So this is if they want to apply to university and are going to have to go through the UCAS process. So it's a great time to audit all the things they've done up until now for their personal statement and to make plans to fill in any missing gaps over the summer holidays. So they should really look back at all the further reading they might have done, any courses they've done, summer schools, out of school activities, work experience, paid work, all that kind of stuff that they might have done up until now and kind of write it all down so they know what they've got to write about on their personal statement and then make plans to kind of fill in the gaps. So this will ensure that they're in a very strong position to write their personal statement and and submit it in the early weeks of year 13. And it's really important, I think, to get that personal statement submitted as soon as possible in year 13, once UCAS applications open, because UCAS can be a real distraction from actually doing the work for the courses so that your son or daughter actually gets the grades. Um, to help you with this kind of UCAS planning process, I've got um, a free resource, which is a UCAS checklist and plan, which I've linked to in the show notes. And basically, it's just a kind of grid where you can write down the things that they've done already in terms of work experience and further reading, and then create a plan going forward for what they're going to do over the summer holidays to fill in the gaps. And that's a really useful resource that lots of students have really enjoyed. So action steps for term six. Firstly, take the exams if you're taking any. Number two, do an exam season review. And, and this is a really nice activity. I do it with all my one to one coaching clients is actually looking back over revision season and exam season and identifying what went well, what didn't go well and what they would change next time around. And there's an outline of how to do that process in chapter 10 of my book. Um, but it's well worth doing because 
that particularly if um, you're in year 10, 11 or 12, you can review over that exam season and make the next exam season even better than the one that's just gone. So you're basically learning from your mistakes or things that didn't go so well. And so you can become even better at revising year by year by year. And then thirdly, for year 12 students and even highly motivated and organised year 11 students, they should do a UCAS audit and make plans for things like further reading, work experience and summer schools during the summer holidays. So um, this is really important. I can't emphasise it enough. If your child is wanting to go to university, this upcoming summer holiday should be all about kind of ticking the boxes as far as UCAS personal statements are concerned. So they've got something really solid and interesting to write about. And this term is the last chance to plan those things in. But for highly motivated year 11s who already know what they want to study at university they can start doing these things as well and that will take the pressure off in the summer of year 12 and just kind of allow for a longer run-up to the UCAS personal statement process. So finally we're on to the final stage of the school year which is the summer holidays. So the summer holidays are really about resting and having fun. This is the freest time of all the free time that your child will get during the school year. And I talked in detail about what students should do during the summer holidays in podcast episode five, which was called What Should Your Teen Do in the Summer Holidays? And I've linked to that in the show notes and you can also find it at lifemoreextraordinary.com forward slash five. However, students in year 12 will need to be doing some constructive stuff during the summer holidays, as I've already hinted at. So they should be working on their EPQ and putting the final pieces in place for writing their personal statement. Students in year 10 may well need to work on coursework or homework set over the summer holidays. And highly motivated year 11s who know what they want to study at university should also be taking steps towards their UCAS personal statement. So I've broken down the action steps for the summer holidays according to the year group. So number one, year 10s should be doing coursework and homework. Year 11s should be getting ahead with their UCAS personal statement, e.g. doing work experience, further reading, attending summer schools, courses or conferences, that kind of thing. Year 12s should be doing their EPQ, work experience, further reading, summer schools, all that kind of stuff. And Year 13s should be chilling out, relaxing, preparing to go to university and maybe doing a job so they've got some extra funds to help them get through university. And finally, Year 11, Year 12, if they've done ASs, and Year 13 should be collecting their exam results. Fingers crossed they do well. <laughs> finally, in conclusion... I really hope that has helped you to gain an understanding of the overall shape of the school year. I think the kind of thing I want to leave you with is that at the beginning of the school year, it's just about getting your head down and learning the stuff that your child is being taught. But as the year progresses, the balance of independent study time will shift from purely to be doing homework and maybe some extra reading around the edge to actually incorporating some revision. So that might start in December if um, your children have got mocks in December or January or February and then that revision 
you know, it might start at just five minutes a day or, you know, it might some of the time be an hour a day or half an hour a day, but some of the time just be five minutes a day. But basically the emphasis on revision increases as you go through the school year and you move further and further towards exams and everyone should be starting to revise by February half term. So the best times to take holidays during the school year are to are during the summer holidays most definitely and then in October half term. Now there may be times and reasons that you just can't avoid taking your family away at other times of the school year but if you can stick to the summer holidays in October half term that's going to help your child to really keep on track and do their very best in the exams that they're taking in that particular academic year. I really hope you found that old podcast episode really helpful right now um, and it's given you something to think about some idea of the shape of the school year and what's going to be expected as I said at the beginning if you want more detail about this then do come and join us inside the extraordinaries club where you can find the what to expect videos and get a bit more detailed insight for the four year groups that the club is aimed at years 10 11 12 and 13. So all it remains for me to say today is thank you so much for listening, have a wonderful day and goodbye.